It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Good afternoon, everyone. Alberta Health Services has taken new action against Grace Life Church. This morning, along with the assistance of RCMP, AHS installed physical barriers around the church. Numerous orders have been ignored by the entity, prompting the closure. Global's Kim Smith joins us live from Parkland County, now where a crowd is growing. Kim, describe the mood and situation over there. Yeah, hi, Vinesh. Uh, At times it was tense this morning. Uh, Right now, supporters of Grace Life Church are uh, just standing around outside uh, in front of the road that's blocked off to the church, and they're talking to security and some of the RCMP officers. Uh, Right now, things do appear quite calm. RCMP on scene, as well as AHS, a private security company, as well as the fence company who set up a barrier all around the church. Uh, Plenty of media here as well this morning. So the road in front of the church is blocked off. And again, there's a few layers of fencing that have been set up uh, around the entire church. Police showed up here around 7.30 this morning in a statement. AHS says it has physically closed Grace Life Church and has prevented access to the building until the church can demonstrate the ability to comply with restrictions from Alberta's chief medical officer of health. Now, Grace Life Church has been regularly defying the rules since December. Uh, Our cameras have seen people entering the church on numerous occasions, not wearing masks, as well as hugging outside of the church. Pastor James Coates spent time in jail for breaking COVID-19 health measures. Now, under Alberta's public health orders, masks are mandatory and churches are restricted to 15% capacity. The church and its pastor are set to appear in court in May, charged with violating measures under the Public Health Act. Uh, I did speak to RCMP. They weren't able to tell us how long they anticipate on being out here. But of course, we will be following this throughout the day and uh, moving forward. Yes, uh, that was Global News, and that's what happened uh, Sunday in Grace Life Church of Edmonton, Alberta. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those of you that are Christians, I don't know about you, but I worshipped in my church yesterday. Uh, We had an incredible worship service, a full choir. We sang praises. The congregation just sang so beautifully and passionately about their faith in Christ, and hardly any masks. Uh, We haven't been masking for months um, and in fact, I don't think we ever did really. Some of us never did. I certainly never wore one, but a lot of people did. And of course, our our attendance went way down. Churches have suffered and been confused through this, not knowing exactly how to respond. And uh, and different churches have responded differently. But I'm so grateful that my church is alive and awake and worshiping and understanding uh, that government doesn't have a right to do this. But um, in Canada, things have clamped down so hard. 
you could say California is the same way, New York also, but we're talking about Canada this morning. Remember that Polish pastor last week that uh, kicked the health officers and policemen who came in to disrupt his Passover service, and he kicked them out. He told them to get out. He said, you're Nazis? You're Nazis. Uh, And he talked later about his own uh, experience growing up in Poland and how, you know, he had firsthand knowledge of how the Nazis uh, operated. I, I want to talk about this church, the Grace Life Church in Edmonton, give you a little history on this. The church was shut down in January for allegedly breaching public health guidelines that limit worship services to 15% capacity. The church is a pretty pretty big, it's out kind of in the country. If you see the picture, this is on Blaze News, by the way. Uh, it's uh, It's not near anything else. They have a nice property. And uh, they were, the health, you know, the health, you know, the almighty new God, the health agencies uh, told them that they had to limit their worship service to 15%, uh, And uh, but they were accused of not doing that and not ensuring that people wore face masks uh, during their religious services. You just heard her report. Can you believe even in her news report, she said they were seen hugging? They were seen hugging outside. They were seen hugging and so for that, they must be punished. Their pastor in February, Pastor James Coates, was arrested for violating COVID-19 public health orders. He spent 35 days in custody before pleading guilty to a charge of breaching bail. He was fined $1,500, and then he returned to the pulpit March 28th. It didn't stop him. So um, they're coming after him again, and his attorney's trying to defend him. But I want to just illustrate to you uh, let you hear a little bit of the sound because the people, uh, when they came to church yesterday morning, the uh, the local authorities had built a fence, a, a layers of fencing around the church, all around it. And the this is really sad. The Canadian Mounties uh, came and blocked with their cars the entrance to the church, and that's what people saw when they came to church yesterday. And you'll be interested, I think, to hear what the response was. There were some reporters there, but there were lots of church members, some of whom marched down the like country road with a cross singing. Uh, they sang, and they had they shared scripture, uh, and there were some other people there, other, other interests, and I just want you to hear a little bit of the sound. Let's listen. They have gas masks, so they're getting ready for uh, pepper spray. Need protection from churches. Two hundred cops Communists now. Communists yeah. and Nazis need to be protected from churches. Helicopters. Yeah. Yeah. On the wrong side. The police. So we're at close to two hundred cops now. Gas masks. Oh, they were for the visors and stuff. Gas masks for gas. That the police are here. Two hundred cops. And a helicopter. In uniform, that the Forty vehicles for one church.
I just wanted you to hear a bit of that. There were like 400 people who gathered in front of the church, and if you had seen it, it would have looked probably like your church on Sunday mornings. Uh, you know, people with babies and children and uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, not hostile people uh, just singing. Uh, the, there was the group that you heard first, there was, I think Rebel News was there uh, reporting on it, and they were the ones talking about all the police coming and uh, how, you know, there were like, what, something like 200 police officers. I saw in the video, it was just amazing, and they are equipped to the nines. They've got, you know, like gas masks on, they've got guns, uh, and... You know, uh, coming up against this this church out in the country, it's it really is uh, it is an amazing thing to watch. And some people, again, in the crowd, started tearing down the fence. But the people who were worshiping were saying back, "Leave the fence alone! Leave the fence alone!" They kept asking him to leave the fence alone. I'm not prepared to say if I would tear the fence down or shout, uh, "Leave the fence alone!" I might be with the leave the fence alone people in the sense that uh, God was present there. And I think there was probably, undoubtedly, had to be some shame on the part of those officers for treating those good people, uh, innocent, just singing with their children, their families. Uh, It was a conviction that reminded me very much of that Polish pastor as he was kicking out the health officials, and he's saying to them, you are Nazis, you are Nazis. How? What are you doing? This is a free country. Uh, And uh, he said in a later interview, that Polish pastor, that some policemen— out on the streets of his uh, town, had come up to him and apologized. I think there was some conviction, and I do think that's the way God's going to do his work in all of this. I don't see some easy solution to this. I see trouble ahead. I would be lying if I said any other way. I think we have to prepare ourselves uh, for, um, for persecution in various forms and at varying degrees. This is interesting. Um, a... Uh, there was a 50-state study of millennials and Generation X, Generation Z age people in the U.S. last year. And the researchers of that study found that 63% of respondents did not know that 6 million Jews were killed in the Holocaust and that 48% could not name a single death camp or concentration camp. That's millennials and Generation Z. They don't know about the Holocaust. Claims Conference President Gideon Taylor told the AP that the surveys highlighted that messages and concepts and ideas that were common and understood 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, are not anymore. He went on to say the Holocaust didn't come out of nowhere. Before Jews were driven out of their schools, their jobs, their homes, before the synagogues, shops, and businesses were destroyed, and before there were ghettos and camps and cattle cars, words were used to stoke the fires of hate. And um, it's oh so true. I, uh, that reminds me of another clip that we have on the sheet this morning. I wasn't going to call for but there was a teacher in California uh, who was caught um, teaching her students, but someone grabbed a screenshot of what she had to say. I just want to give you kind of an idea of what your kids are hearing, not all of them, but a lot of them are hearing this from their teachers. You'll hear the tone. <laughs> Much is said about tone, but you'll hear... Just the idea the kid asks her about some uh, white student organization or something to that effect, if that helps you to understand a little bit better. But here's a California teacher re- reacting with her student. Let's listen. Clip 10. ...themselves out. The haters did. They are forced to bring awareness to the situation that they are in because other people put them in that situation. My question is, in your case, 
where is the uh, white student union? Because because we, we need all races. You don't need equality. a white student union, Jake. Oh. You get everything. The haters, the haters. This is what she said, just it rolls off her tongue. The haters. I'm not sure. She must be talking about white people. Uh, but that's what your kids are hearing. And uh, they, these are the names that were the kinds of names that the AP is reporting here. Uh, this was what happened before before people are persecuted, they have to be dehumanized. I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, they call what the, the, the Germans called the, the Jews, you know, um, useless eaters. They called them um, uh, pigs. They called them all kinds of names. They had to dehumanize them before they could sort of soften people to actually come after them and persecute them, and eventually many killed them. And so um, this is the process that we're seeing, and I think we just have to be very, very honest about it. Um, there are other stories about what's happening in church that I want to share with you. I may have to just go over the break to do that. Many people are saying, of course, this is what happens in totalitarian governments, and I've certainly said that to you a million times. Here's a story I'll just pluck out. This is some Epoch Times. Um, the Chinese, of course, are up, upping their persecution of Christians, of, of Uyghurs, of Falun Gong. Falun Gong is a practice that's kind of a loyal to the old Chinese ways, uh, believes in honesty, and um, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on it, but I'm just telling you what I'm reading. Uh, so what they did was they... They have lowered the age um, of persecution. They actually lied about the age of a woman who was 80 years old in order to jail her. She was very sick. Uh, she was uh, um, put in jail earlier and in prison for defending her faith and talking about how what a difference it had made in her life. And so, in order to jail her again, they lied about her age. Um, and so, you know, she's being very brutally treated. My point in mentioning that is just that. This is the mind of the totalitarian. She's like the other. She's the it. She is the uh, the hater. She is the object of their wrath. And it doesn't matter that she's an old woman, over 80. And that's how callous this kind of talk and preparation makes us. So just uh, these are the things that we're going to be dealing with. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Christians are in spiritual warfare whether they like it or not. We have to fight against Satan, self, and society. we got some pretty big opponents. We need to be training one another, equipping and challenging one another to engage this culture. You're invited to the AFA at Home Town Hall Meeting. Be encouraged as we see trouble increasing. Satan does not want people to come to the freedom of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. America's never had a racial problem. America's had a sin problem. Hey, when I walk with God, he never said that was going to be easy. Mm -hmm. The event features Pastor Jeff Shreve, Tony Perkins, Bishop E.W. Jackson, Ed Vitagliano, Bert Harper, and Miki Addison. And it's hosted by Walker Wildman. The AFA at Home Town Hall meeting streams live at 7 p.m. Central on Thursday, April 29th at afa.net. We were created for this. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Robert Bianchi, CEO of the Defense Commissary Agency. He oversees the operations of an agency with 15,000 employees and an operating budget of $7 billion. Psalm 7872 reminds us of the example that a good leader needs to set. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. 
Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Robert Bianchi as he leads the Defense Commissary Agency. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Virginia teachers, take the lead in education with up to 64% off your graduate degree at Liberty University. This year has forced you to innovate, adapt, overcome, and you've not only risen to the challenge, you've crushed it. Now help education emerge from this crisis stronger than ever with your MAT or MED degree. Our transfer-friendly degree programs are 100% online and start as low as $282 per credit hour. It's our thanks for all you do for our future. To learn more, text TEACHER to 49595. That's TEACHER to 49595. The Harvey family of Austin, Texas, was in a bit of a pickle the other day. They were about to board a flight in Denver when they were told their two-year-old had to wear a face mask. Well, like most two-year-olds, little Jackson was not too keen on keeping the face mask on his face. Every time he would take it off, his mother would put it back on. But the flight attendants were not satisfied, and Southwest Airlines ordered the family to get off the airplane. The airline said every passenger over the age of two has to wear a mask, and Jackson was two and a half. Eric Harvey posted a video on Facebook explaining why they were stranded in Denver. By chance, an old family friend was watching, and he decided to jump in his private plane and bring the Harveys back home. And the best part? No one had to wear a mask, thanks to a good Samaritan with wings. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios back with you. Uh, you know, I know the, the program that we played on Friday, my interview with Trevor Loudon, was pretty pretty um, frightening, or, or what would you say, discouraging. And I, I have been actually praying about how to present what's happening to you in a way that I believe is absolutely biblically sound and is actually encouraging. I can bring to you all the bad news from, you know, pillar to post. I'm certainly capable of doing that. What I'm having trouble doing, I'll just be honest with you, is finding the words uh, to lift you so high above the actual things that are happening that you'll understand. Um, you'll understand God's incredible work that transcends what's happening here. I watched yesterday, someone sent me a video of a little girl who was, uh, she was born of a a Jewish mother and a German father before World War II. And um, as things began to heat up and they began to hate the Jews and demonize them like they are Christians and other people of the book, Jews are being demonized right along with uh, Christians for sure uh, in this country right now and around the world. Um, so she began to be picked on at school. She tells her story. It's just heartbreaking. She loved dancing, and then they began to ridicule her as she began to dance about uh, being Jewish and not being, no one wants to watch a Jew dance. Uh, and just the heartbreak of all of it, she describes it, and she ends up getting her father has to ends up leaving the family because of the criticism he's coming under because he's married to a Jew. So the family's abandoned, and then they get picked up and put into a ghetto, arrested, and then they take her mother. I mean, it's just one horrible tragedy after another. And she walks into a church. Uh, for some reason, she finds herself in a church. She's just still a little girl. 
and a pastor talks to her and tells her that she's welcome there anytime. Uh, and she starts to go, and she said when she walked into the sanctuary and she saw the pictures of Jesus and saw the scripture verses, she actually gave her life to Christ right there in that church by herself as a little girl. And then her story, she's telling the story as an older woman. She just died not long ago. Um, she talks about how her mother came to Christ and how they suffered, how they got separated. Uh, in the, Her mother went to a camp, and she was sent somewhere else. And uh, by a fluke, she ends up being able to escape, she and her sister. Uh, and they she makes her way, however difficult, to find her mother. And they were actually reunited. And she cries as she tells the story, but she, it's a series of God's miracles and blessings and supernatural events in her life. And the thing that struck me is um, I, I, we are used to living in such comfort. It's very hard for us to get our minds around uh, losing everything that we have and actually really and truly only leaning on God and on his word. That's a hard concept when we have been so self-sufficient and um, so comfortable. You know, uh, again, just the, I, I often say, you know, Americans are never hungry. We're never thirsty. I remember when I was a little girl uh, playing outside, and I would play out. I love to play. I'd play out all day, and, and I would be so thirsty. It would be so hot in the summer. But I was playing, and I didn't want to go back and have to go get a drink at home, you know? But finally, I'd wait till I just couldn't wait any longer, and I remembered that thirst. And I would run and run and run and run and run into the kitchen, and my mother had a green metal cup, and I would gulp down that cold water that she had in the refrigerator, and it was just incredible. You know, I'm never thirsty like that anymore. I haven't been thirsty like that since I was a little girl because we I carry a drink everywhere. How about you? Don't even know the slightest bit of thirst. Don't know the slightest bit of hunger unless I'm dieting uh, because I, you know, I grab something. There's food everywhere. See, we, we just can't even imagine another kind of life where we don't have everything we want at our fingertips all the time. Hot, you know, in the warm in the winter, you know, cool in the summer, cars. Uh, and these things we have come to take for granted. There's nothing wrong with them. I think God wants his people to live in blessing. Um, but we are uh, going to be coming into a time, I think, where we're going to have to loosen our fingers on that stuff. And that may sound dreadful, but it's not dreadful because we, what what is that old song that you sang with me when you were young? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious face. We're going to see his glorious face in the midst of the trouble. We're going to see it. And I, I don't think I can explain it beyond that. I'll just plant that seed, and I'm just saying, don't be, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know that that's true. Sometimes I have to just say that over and over again, just make it part of my the fabric of my being, uh, to get beyond uh, the worry that we're experiencing. I think right now, uh, don't. Uh, even though I'm presenting to you a lot of negative information, I know I am, I can't deny it. We have to know what's going on. That's important uh, for planning for the future as much as we possibly can, for making good choices. But meanwhile, um, uh, we, re, uh, we don't want to be in denial. We want to have an accurate view. view. That's what Jesus said uh, and Paul suggested in his 
uh, one of the very many letters that he wrote, to have an accurate view of things. An accurate view. An accurate view is that we are in trouble. <laughs> uh, but an accurate view is also that we have an incredible God. Not to come and swoop down and make sure that we don't have to uh, be thirsty or hungry anymore. <laughs> or that we have these beautiful homes that are cooled and heated at our desire in our cars too. Uh, but a God that's going to take care of the things that really matter in us. Our heart, our spirit, our devotion. And preparing us for something much greater. Uh, so... Um, there are lots of things in the way right now, though. Um, we have to look at what's happening in the world through spiritually discerned eyes. Some of you who are not Christians, I know I've kind of already probably lost you, but could I just please present a vision of what knowing Christ can be? Because the trouble that's coming is trouble for you also. It's not just trouble for us as Christians or Jews or the people of the book. It isn't just. It's, a, it's tri- tribulation and trial for the whole world. Uh, and I want to paint a vision for you or cast a vision uh, for what the difference is that Jesus makes when we go through these kinds of trials. So, But to, for those of you that are Christians, we have to discern now through our spiritual eyes uh, the world. And I, 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 I saw a clip yesterday that really convicted me in a way, um, for instance, in wearing masks. I, I hate wearing masks. Uh, and, and sometimes I have to ask, you know, which part of this is my own personal, I can't stand it because I'm claustrophobic and I can't breathe. I just hate the feeling of it. I like, and it's my nature to fight, you know, so that, those are my natures. But are they, you know, are they really uh, manifestations of what the Holy Spirit would have me do? Uh, so there was a woman who is has a meltdown over the mask. I think there's a lot of uh, profanity in here. I imagine Adam has taken care of that. Just just so you know, she's a young woman and she looks um, she looks like a millennial. She would not be someone that would you know would catch your eye. She's probably one of those people that hates you for going into the store without a mask. Uh, maybe one who would make a comment. But this is a case where she. Uh, in pouring out her anger, demonstrates what's going on in her heart and mind. It actually really grieved me, and uh, I want you to hear it. This is clip seven. So done with this world. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of this selfish, idiotic behavior. I have one, two, I have three inhalers. Three. And I don't want to carry this iron long with me anywhere I go. Just in case that these don't work and you have the nerve to tell me that I, you have a doctor's note not to wear this. If any doctor gave you that, it's because you're that weak. You can't wear a piece of cloth. You're a selfish And if your husband does that too in public, I hope you both catch COVID. I hope you both understand how serious this is. My four-year-old needs me. My disabled husband who broke his spine in 2016 needs me. I'm the only one doing anything at my house because they need me. And you're selfish trying to take me away from them. Okay, so obviously this is a woman who has so much pressure. She needs so much help. Uh, the world is just uh, coming in on her. She, uh, If you could not understand, she has a four-year-old who needs her. Uh, she has a husband who's disabled that she's caring for. She feels like she's bearing the weight of everything, and she has uh, to have several inhalers. I guess she has asthma or something. And so she's angry with anyone who doesn't wear a mask, and that's how she sees the world. 
And uh, there are cases where I think if I see someone angry like that, um, I get angry. You know, I get very angry at people getting angry at me. And I, I just think Jesus would have us look more deeply. Like, that's a person who needs help. She doesn't need your anger. She needs help. And I'm, I'm actually saying this to you uh, out of my own pondering, how to respond to something like that. I don't think responding to that means buying into her unhealthiness and also her lack of information. But surely it doesn't mean being angry back at her. I, um, I think it, it certainly would involve maybe disarming people by asking them what's, what's causing this, you wouldn't have known this, that she's walking in a store and she's mad at you, having a conversation about what, what is it that you are, what's, what's going on with you, are you okay, that kind of a thing. And then actually seek to help someone, to actually give of ourselves, to take our time, uh, to um, uh, to to just minister to someone who is feeling that m- that overwhelmed by the situation. It's probably not the time to pull out, you know, all your counters to COVID claims and masking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about forget all of that and go to the heart. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on with your? How can I help? What can we do? That's what I'm talking about. This is, I believe, what Jesus would have us do. And meanwhile, we have to be so discerning in other ways. There's so much lying going on. There's so much um, disinformation. I don't like that word. There's so much um, confusion in the church. I'll give you an example. I read another article this morning about a Georgia pastor. Perhaps some of you have heard of him. He was a Southern Baptist pastor, Pastor Jim Comrade. And um, he he was with the Townview Church, uh, I believe it's in Georgia, and uh, he was part of the SBC, but he has been removed. And the reason he's been removed, for instance, on Sunday, or, or last Sunday on his Easter sermon, Pastor Jim Conrad preached a message of love and acceptance from the pulpit of his church. Over the past several months, the pastor's stands on, stance on love and acceptance has drawn national attention to Townview Baptist Church in Kennesaw, Georgia, specifically over the question of who's allowed to become a member of it. Earlier this year, Townview lost its relationship with the Southern Baptist Convention and almost half its membership, along with their dues, as a result of Conrad's decision in 2019 to accept a gay couple and their three children as members of Townview. And then it talks about this: uh, these two openly gay men who were both Southern Baptists who wanted to raise their three sons, adopted sons. Uh, I don't know if they're adopted or not. One of them had to adopt them. <laughs> I don't know if they're the product of their one of their sperms. I really don't know. But they wanted their boys to be in church. But, you know, and with that, I think if I were the pastor, I would have had some consternation. Uh, You wouldn't want to stop children who are innocent uh, from hearing God's word or being in Sunday school. So attendance is really not the issue. But membership was because this pastor uh, decided to bring both of these gay men into the church and let them become uh, uh, parts. Uh, one of them actually led worship on Easter Sunday morning. And um, this is interesting. I'll just go back to the ending here. On Good Friday, he, the pastor's quoted as saying, I tried to address it to some degree, not directly, but we did a Stations of the Cross service for Friday. And in it offered confession for our sin, for standing quietly while others suffered, sins of omission for the things we don't do. One of the ways was when the church stood silently while members of the LGBTQ community suffered. Okay, so the the, the gay fathers were offered communion and, of course, a full membership 
and uh, one is leading worship. So here's the thing. Um, this is apostasy, and it's subtle. Because, of course, as I said before, with these two fathers and their children, I would not want to not let them come. I, I can't see doing, I, I'm, I just, but not membership. That's very different. Uh, because these little boys do need to hear the gospel. They do need to hear Bible study. They, they need that help. But the pastor went way over the line by uh, bringing the fathers in and, and, and having them become full members of the church and then suggesting that the only sin here is that the church stood by while the LGBTQ community suffered. Well, now, there's some truth to that. I don't think the the LGBTQ community has suffered at the hands of the church as much as they complain about. I'll just say that because I was there, and I didn't hear pastors preaching about it hardly ever. Maybe some isolated did. I think they should have preached about it more, to be honest with you. They should not have been silent. I don't think they were. I don't think uh, some, some, there's a handful that did... Uh, uh, take this on, and sometimes in bad ways. Uh, but the LGBT community has suffered in other ways. They've suffered by lack of honesty. They've suffered because we have not. I've often thought we should have set up um, the the equivalent of crisis pregnancy centers in churches for people who were in the gay lifestyle or struggling with it. But instead, they ignored it. Churches just pretty much ignored it in the last twenty years, and now we've developed uh, this uh, this. Uh, horrendous confusion about it and the lack of willingness to talk about it. But that is apostasy. Meanwhile, uh, speaking of discernment, a seminary professor in Georgia is featured in a book of prayers, which is a New York Times bestselling book, Rhythm of Prayer, a collection of meditations for renewal. Shanika Walker-Barnes is a Mercer University associate professor of practical theology, and she's uh, writing in her devotional book, Dear God, Please Help Me to Hate White People, or at least to want to hate them. At least I want to stop caring about them individually and collectively. Well, that too is apostasy. That too is apostasy because, uh, uh, and yet it's a New York Times bestselling book. There's a lot of confusion in the church right now. Uh, God doesn't want you to hate anyone. Uh, I think we should know that, but evidently some Christians don't. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins here to tell you about Encouragement Live. 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls. So plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word. And we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, Romans 12.2. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Paul's epistle to the Romans was written to believers. This verse highlights the fact that it's possible for Christians to be conformed to the world's ways. The word conform there means to be squeezed into the mold of another. 
Rather than being squeezed into the world's mold, the Lord requires us to be transformed by having our minds renewed by God's Word. Everything about us must be held up to the light of Scripture, and wherever there's any discrepancy, we must be transformed. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Ryan Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. Joe Biden, like every other regressive politician in America, wants to strip Americans of our Second Amendment right to keep, that means to own them, and to bear arms, that means to carry them around so we can defend ourselves. One of Biden's advisors said the Second Amendment was not written to protect weapons of war, but that is precisely what the Second Amendment was designed to do. The weapons protected by the Second Amendment are the very weapons the colonists used to win the Revolutionary War against the occupying armies of the United Kingdom and secure Americans' freedom. Tyrannical politicians, beginning with the King of England, right down to President Joe Biden, are determined to strip Americans of our right to protect ourselves. For liberty's sake, we must not let them do this to us. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Joe Biden's gun control announcement on Friday perfectly captures how dangerous is his presidency. First, as usual, he lied about the nature of his initiative. In this case, he asserted that it's completely consistent with the Second Amendment's guarantee of the right to bear arms. Wrong. Second, Biden exposed the falsity of his putatively moderate facade by announcing the latest appointment of a radical, anti-gun activist, David Shipman, to implement his policies. Third, even as Mr. Biden touted the absurd idea that cracking down on law-abiding citizens' right to bear arms will deny criminals access to weapons, his son Hunter has paid no price for getting a gun illegally by lying on a background check. Unequal treatment under the law is corrosive to our constitutional republic, but characteristic of the immense harm the Biden administration is doing to it and us. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. At 50 feet by 30 feet, it's hard to miss. It looks small because it's 150 feet in the air, but it's, it's a pretty big flag. Jay Johnson is flying his custom-made Trump 2020 flag on a crane at his construction business in Buffalo. He took it down after the election, but decided to put it back up last month. Not long after, several of his work vehicles had their windows shot out by BB guns. Police are investigating. I'm willing to forgive the people that did it. They just got to come forward and admit it. I put a reward out. But now Jay is in violation of the law. Buffalo City Ordinance says a sign that big needs to be licensed, which Jay hasn't applied for. A city official says they're determining how to proceed with enforcement. I'll just put it up someplace else. And maybe even a bigger flag. Jay says the flag cost $1,000 and the crane cost $50,000. So his feeling is if the city wants to fine him $150 a day, that's a bargain. I am prepared to get the fines, ultimately get cuffed, go to jail, whatever. Neighbors who see the flag every time they leave the house have mixed feelings. It doesn't really bother me much. It's just weird seeing it up again. Like, are they campaigning again for 2024, maybe? 
I always thought like, well, why can it, you know, do like an American flag or something where it's like, you know, this is kind of divisive. The city says it's gotten 100 or so formal comments about the flag and they're split about even between positive and negative. In Buffalo, David Schumann, WCCO 4 News. Okay, that's Buffalo, Minnesota, and that's Jay Johnson. Uh, it, it just, uh, it's just, it's it's uh, interesting to see people um, drawing a line in the sand, or whatever they perceive is happening in the country. Uh, Jay Johnson is drawing a line in the sand. He said he's willing to pay the fine or even go to jail for that flag. And the reason I uh, played that for you, because I, I, I think a lot of people, that's a Trump-Pence, I think it's Trump-Pence uh, 2020 flag. Um People are wondering, of course, what's happened with President Trump, and there's just one story that I wanted to share with you. Now, of course, uh, true to the hate of him, this is from National Review, who they're never Trumpers, and the the title is Trump Blasts McConnell, an expletive-filled speech at Mar-a-Lago. That's the uh, that's the <laughs> that's the headline. Uh, and I want to tell you what President Trump said, and I I can't say the expletives, but I'll tell you what he said. Former President Donald Trump on Saturday took aim at Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Anthony Fauci, and former Vice President Mike Pence in an expletive-laced off-script speech at a major Republican National Committee donor gathering. If that were Schumer instead of this dumb, dumb blank Mitch McConnell, they would never allow it to happen, referring to the certification of the 2020 election results. They would have fought it. Uh, that's what he said at, at this event at the Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, where he also claimed, this is the National Review writing, naturally they have a view about this, where he also claimed the election was blank. However, election officials across the country have said there were no, there was no widespread fraud in the 2020 election. We're going to have to do a catch-up on that very soon, but not today. We're finding more and more fraud, as a matter of fact, and we will talk about that. But the president went on to say, he was disappointed that Pence did not fight the certification of the election on January 6th when he presided over a joint session of Congress at the Capitol to finalize the results. I wish that Mike Pence had the courage to send it back to the legislatures. Uh, he said, I like him so much. I was so disappointed. The former president also blasted Fauci while talking up his own response to the pandemic last year. He mocked how the doctor's position changed from advising against wearing masks early in the pandemic to now advising Americans to wear five masks after coming out in support of double masking. Have you ever seen anybody that is so full of blank? And so that's uh, and then also he blasted the Biden infrastructure bill as a giveaway to China. I wanted to share that with you because I wanted you to assure you that President Trump has not lost his his fire or his flame. And certainly on the issues that he just expressed there, I am totally with him. Uh, with uh, I would deliver the non-expletive version of what he just said, but he's busy uh, trying to fight in the way that he can. I think he's going to be, uh, from all reports, he's going to be forming a new social media outlet, and it's going to be launched uh, shortly, and people will be able to hear him and be able to interact. I don't know if it's going to be interaction among, I don't know. That's all I know. And so we'll let you know when we do find out. I also want to tell you that... Um, a lot of our good people are under fire in Washington. I wanted to make this part personal because some of these guys I've gotten to know through the years, uh, and, and not all of these, in varying degrees. Uh, but uh, the reason I say that is because I have um, reason to to know some things that are happening. In the issue of Matt Gates, Matt has been a guest on our show um, uh, several times. It's been a long time, but he's been... And, of course, he's been a, an out, outright uh, firebrand supporter of President Trump. And really, I don't agree with Matt on everything, I'm sure, because Matt is not um, 
you know, like a Sunday school guy. He isn't. He's kind of out there. Uh, but he has been uh, a fighter, and I appreciate that. A person who has a heart for the truth and fights, I love it. I feel I'm a kindred spirit when they do that. I heard him speak recently at an, at an event, and he was dynamite. Uh, he introduced his uh, the girl that he's just gotten engaged to, beautiful young girl, and he just um, uh, he just spoke very bravely about some things uh, that I thought the audience he was pretty brave, knowing who was in the crowd and what he said. I had to compliment him on his courage, and I I just my sense of things now. Matt is being accused of um, having sex with an underage girl, seventeen. That's part of the accusation. He says it's absolutely not true. He was on Tucker Carlson a couple of weeks ago talking about that. We played part of it, I think. Um, And then also he talks about how he and his father are being extorted, and they actually seem to have proof about this. A former Justice Department official, uh, they are basically they have an email that this official is saying to to Matt's father, "If you give me, I think I think it's twenty five million dollars to help get." This former FBI agent who's being held in Iran, uh, we will take the heat off your son. Something to that effect. So I think Matt has a good case, really, that something's going on here. And would it surprise you at all that they would tr- that people in Washington would try to take down Matt Gates? He he's the one, by the way, that you know flew to uh, Wyoming to work against Liz Cheney, who's what number three in Republican leadership. And, of course, he takes on the Democratic leadership constantly. He is a bane of their existence. And so should it shock anyone that someone would actually come after Matt? And that doesn't mean he's innocent of everything. I don't have any way of knowing that. Uh, the one thing I would say, I heard him say, um, or maybe it was in this clip. Actually, I should stop and play this clip uh, because I here's where he kind of lays it out. He was at a Women for, for Truth or Trump rally uh, down in Florida, and this is how Matt put it on uh, for himself. Clip eight. Folks have sort of gotten to know that I'll take on the establishment of both parties, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We have your back. That is the sentiment I have heard from thousands of Americans at restaurants, walking through public parks, sometimes just out on the street in emails, online donations. And I can't tell you how much it means to me. This past week has been full of encouragement. From President Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Jim Jordan, to the MAGA nation that shares so much love. So let me assure you, I have not yet begun to fight. For the country I love, and for the nation that I know benefits from America First principles. I'm built for the battle, and I'm not going anywhere. The smears against me range from distortions of my personal life to wild, and I mean wild, conspiracy theories. I won't be intimidated by a lying media, and I won't be extorted by a former DOJ officials and the crooks he is working with. The truth will prevail. You know, one of the things that he said in a piece that I read was, Look, I've done a lot of things. I was, uh, I've been, um, I'm a guy. And he said, I'm not, I'm not a, I forgot how he put it. You know, I'm not a choir boy. And so I do have a past. I remember, you know, it hasn't been that long ago, they were floating the idea that Matt might be gay. So now they've decided he's not gay and they're coming after him. Look, I don't, again, I can't defend because I don't know. It's like the Trump dossier to me. 
Uh, I knew right away that that was phony, but I couldn't defend President Trump's sex life. How could I do that? Matt Gates is not a Christian. As far as I know, he's certainly not a practicing Christian. And so he's uh, acted as a man. He's, you know, done some, he's sinned sexually. And he pretty much said that in his statement. But he said, now I find it ironic that they would come after me for things I've said and done in the past when now I've met the love of my life. This And I did meet her. She was very sweet. Uh, and we're getting, we're engaged and we're getting married. And so it's just, it's, he had a, a more re- reflective Pensive tone in the piece that I read. Anyway, so Matt is under uh, fi- under uh, assault. You'll see all kinds of negative headlines about him, even from friendly media, about like how few House Republican lawmakers step up to defend Gates. But then at the very end, Jim Jordan says, uh, "I believe Matt Gates." That's what he said. I guess I'd put myself with that. For right now, I believe Matt Gates. Until something else comes out, I do. Uh, but then, then there's Dan Crenshaw, who uh, is such a. Uh, we talked about Dan. You've You've seen and heard the wonderful things that Dan Crenshaw, he's the former Iraqi veteran who had, he's a Navy SEAL who lost his right eye during deployment in Afghanistan, not Iraq. Um, And now he's having uh, trouble with his left eye. He lost his right eye. He's having trouble with his left eye. He just had surgery, and now he's going to be blind for about a month. And um, Dan is such a fighter. And remember that um, I told you when I was uh, in South Dakota for July the last July 3rd celebration with President Trump, uh, Dan and his wife uh, sat next to us. We got to know them a little bit. N- that doesn't matter. You know what? doesn't matter that, that I know them. I only tell you this to give you insight. I just uh, know that he's got so much courage and so much knowledge, and now look at what he's facing. This is, this is a very difficult time, and I don't know where Dan is spiritually either. I'm just telling you uh, he is one of our champions, and he is in distress. I would say that Louis Gohmert, has been going through some very difficult things. He lost his father recently, and before that, I mean, like just before that, he lost a disabled relative that he was charged with uh, taking care of. A lot of blows, personal blows, to Louis Gohmert right now, uh, and he's one of our champions. And I say all of that to say, uh, then there's more. I got one more t- more to share with you. John Boehner used to be the um, Speaker of the House, and um, John Boehner was the feckless horrible, honestly. He started out being a conservative, and he ended up being just worthless. He was the Speaker of the House during the Benghazi raid and did nothing, did nothing. Could I emphasize did nothing? Uh, When we were trying to get hearings on that, he would do nothing. So he's now written a book about Washington, and he was interviewed by CBS Sunday Morning. And I want you to hear what he had to say. Let's listen. You call some of these members political terrorists. Oh, yeah. Jim Jordan, especially. My colleague from Ohio. I, I just never saw a guy who spent more time tearing things apart and never building anything, never putting anything together. And then there's Senator Ted Cruz, who Boehner says is the ultimate false prophet. I don't beat anybody up. It's not really my style, except that jerk. Perfect symbol, you know, of uh, getting elected, make a lot of noise, draw a lot of attention to yourself, raise a lot of money, which means you're going to go make more noise, raise more money. And uh, uh, it's really, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And so I have to tell you this. Of course, it's, it's just trouble. Trouble among uh, so many of the people that we, uh, that we trust. Good men. The good men that I know, not all of them, but that's a, that's a pretty good list of them right there. Uh, they are coming under attack in various ways. John Boehner, by the way, is drunk. He's a drunk. 
I didn't know that for years, and finally people on the inside told me that, that he's uh, drunk all the time. Hey, he, he cries all the time. I saw a video that he did once he left Congress. He's driving an SUV, or not a, a large, like a recreational vehicle, around the country uh, talking about how wonderful marijuana is. Uh, that's what he's gone into, the marijuana business. That's the kind of person he was. I don't know how in the world we ever put him in that place and gave him that spot, but we did, and he did tremendous damage. And that was the precursor to the Congress. He did his part in making Congress just a worthless place where nothing can be accomplished. We tried to get John Boehner out, tried to get Jim Jordan uh, to be able to win that seat. We worked, uh, I did. I worked very hard on that, and it didn't work. So... Um, Right now we have Kevin McCarthy, who's also feckless. He's worthless. That's my opinion, and so is Mitch McConnell. Uh, President Trump was right about that. Uh, but my point is that these guys need our prayers. Uh, there's a lot at stake here, and there's a lot at work that we cannot see. Uh, it almost seems like supernatural attack to me. What do you think? Uh, but these guys need our prayers. Uh, and so we have to start thinking differently. I think. And I'm in, in a shifting place myself about how to feel and how to act and how to pray uh, in these turbulent, confusing times. But I do trust God. I know he's going to, as we're processing this, he's going to lead us through because we are his people. We are called by his name and we will stand firm, whatever that means, whatever it looks like. And so we're going to process it together. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Uh, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.